I'm sure at one time or another we have all tried to run away from our problems, and while this certainly is tempting, it rarely works. Whether you're trying to escape from a debt, mental health issues, family problems or legal troubles, life often finds a way of catching up with us and forcing us to face our problems head on. Some people choose to physically run away from their lives and create a new identity for themselves, but others who have gotten themselves into a dangerous situation may have this choice taken away from them and may even meet an even worse fate. Either of these scenarios could be true for the young woman we will be discussing today, who is thought to be involved in the death of at least one of her acquaintances before she herself went missing. Let's uncover the case of the Bakersfield Three. Hello and welcome to the 49th episode of Uncover True Crime Podcast. My name is Stephanie and each week we uncover a different unsolved true crime case, ranging from missing persons, unsolved murders, Jane and John Doe's and Suspicious Deaths. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and other podcast streaming apps as well as on YouTube by searching Uncover True Crime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Uncover underscore pod, on Instagram at Uncover True Crime Pod and you can join the Uncover True Crime discussion group on Facebook. But without any further ado, let's uncover the case of the Bakersfield Three. Bailey Sinead Espo was born on the 3rd of June 1997 in Bakersfield, California. Bailey always believed that she was born into the wrong era as she enjoyed wearing 70s style clothing and described herself as a flower child. Regardless as to what decade you are born in, adolescents often make impulsive decisions and Bailey was no different. When she was 19 years old, she ran off to Las Vegas with her boyfriend and got married. The wedding came as a shock to her family as she had only just graduated high school the year earlier and her mum believed that the pair were on the edge of breaking up as opposed to tying the knot. The marriage didn't last very long and according to her mother, Bailey took the split hard, saying, quote, She crashed her car, then she lost her job. She was trying to get back on track but her life just spiralled out of control and it went downhill from there, unquote. After her divorce in April 2017, Bailey started hanging out with some new friends and according to her mother, she, quote, went off the rails, unquote. She started misusing drugs and alcohol and was arrested in the summer of 2017 for drunken disorderly, although these charges would end up being dismissed. A couple of months later in August, Bailey was drugged and sexually assaulted, but I'm unsure if she knew her attackers or if she reported her assault to the police. In December 2017, Bailey faced felony weapons charges, but agreed to a plea bargain which meant she would only have to plead guilty to a misdemeanor. As part of her plea, she was given probation and a short time later, she moved in with her boyfriend, a man called Matthew Queen, who was more than 20 years her senior. In March 2018, a man Bailey knew called Micah Blaine Halsenbeck went missing. The next month, another one of her friends, James Colstad, was shot to death in his mother's car. They say that lightning doesn't strike twice, but in this case, it struck three times as Bailey went missing at the end of April 2018. Together, Bailey, Micah and James would be nicknamed the Bakersfield Three. I am now going to rewind a little bit and discuss Micah and James's murders. In the year before his death, Micah had been having a rough time. He was laid off his job in 2017 after he went off sick with depression and was living off disability benefits. Like Bailey, he'd been hanging out with people he hadn't previously associated with and was going out drinking in bars and clubs, and his mother also learned that he had been selling drugs. 
While it was thought that he was a small-time dealer selling in order to fund his own drug habit, his mother Cheryl was obviously concerned about him and said that in the lead-up to his disappearance he grew more and more paranoid and told those close to him that he, quote, feared for his safety, unquote. Cheryl elaborated on this further by saying, quote, He was afraid and there were times in the not-so-distant past where he had been threatened. My mum's instinct is that he found himself in over his head, but kept himself in that situation because he was afraid for his family, because he felt like he would be hurt if he didn't, unquote. The last time Cheryl saw her son, she gave him a lift to a, quote, bad neighbourhood, unquote, near the Cairn Medical Centre, and as she had a bad feeling about this part of Bakersfield, she tried to persuade him to come home with her, but he refused. He got out of the car, and she never saw him again. They spoke on the phone on the 17th of March, but sadly, this conversation led to them having a disagreement, as Michael had asked for his mother to lend him some money so he could stay at a motel, but she was unable to help him. Cheryl told the website dedicated to the Bakersfield 3, quote, He was upset at me that I didn't care. It was kind of a manipulative anger and I wasn't in the mood to go there, so I didn't. So yeah, I regretted it. I still wouldn't have had the money to do it, but I still regret hanging up on him, unquote. After the argument, Cheryl didn't hear from her son for a while, but probably assumed that he needed space to calm down. However, days turned into weeks, and after no one had heard from him by Easter Sunday of 2017, his mother reported him as a missing person. It wasn't until a year and a half later, in December 2018, that there would be any developments in his case, and unfortunately, it was the worst news his friends and family could have received. An arm was found in a duffel bag in the Cairn River, and it was positively identified as belonging to Micah. James Colstad was born on the 9th of April 1979 to Diane Byrne and Jim Colstad Sr. His obituary describes how James views life and his accomplishments. Quote, His idea of success was measured by achievements and acceptance, never by wealth. He would never turn a shoulder on one less fortunate than himself. James had striking blue eyes, a heart of gold and a smile to last a lifetime. James was a caring and thoughtful soul and a role model to aspire to. May he rest in paradise and live on in our hearts forever. James was only 38 years old when he died and he left behind two young daughters, Carmen and Autumn. His obituary describes how much he loved surfing, pipeline welding, golf, fashion and cooking and how he was, quote, always a sucker for table games and the desire of chance amongst the dazzling lights and excitement of Las Vegas, unquote. While his obituary did an amazing job of describing who he was as a person, I was unable to find out a lot of information about what was going on in his life immediately prior to his death. Although I do know that he was friends with both Bailey and Micah and even helped Micah move house weeks before he disappeared. On the 8th of April 2018, James left his mother's house in her car but didn't tell her where he was going. Hours later at 1am on the 9th of April, his mother Diane received the worst call of her life from the police telling her that her son had been shot. One of her other sons took her to the scene of the crime which was on the 5700 block of Sandstone Lake in southwest Bakerfield. James's brother Ryan was already at the scene as he had been at the home where James had been shot. He told Dr Phil that the home homeowner had told him to get his brother to leave or quote, I'm going to have my boys come and they're going to come strapped, 
unquote. From what Ryan was able to tell Dr Phil, it seemed as though this person was due James money and James was there to collect. Ryan left the house a short time later and got into his car with one of his friends, at which point he noticed a silver car with its lights on. As Ryan drove away from the house, James made a U-turn around the cul-de-sac, which is when James and the passenger of his car heard gunshots. Ryan drove back and saw his brother lying at the side of the road after being shot in the hip. He said that he kissed the side of his brother's head, told him that he loved him, as did his two daughters, but James died a short time later in Ryan's arms. During the Dr. Phil interview, it was insinuated that Ryan, quote, knows more than he thinks he knows, unquote, and it was suggested that he might know things that he hadn't told the police. Ryan denied this and said that even if he was in danger or thought he would end up in prison, he would still tell the police any information he had if it meant putting his brother's killers behind bars. Ryan claims that there was multiple CCTV cameras and traffic cameras in the area, and that if a richer or more prominent person had been killed that night, then more effort would have been made to collect the footage, but it wasn't because of the circle that they were both involved in, which included drugs and guns. I know that Dr Phil makes his living out of dramatising situations for views, but in my opinion, what he did to Ryan on that show is unforgivable. He tried to sugarcoat what he was saying by stating that grief can fog your memory and that he might have seen something that he doesn't believe is important. And while I will admit that might be true, to say on national TV that he knows more than he thinks he knows, and for the quote-unquote experts on that show to say that Ryan might be in danger if the people who killed his brother believe that he saw something to make his show more dramatic is an awful way to treat someone who just watched their brother die on the side of the road. The FBI profiler stated that whoever killed James was probably a violent guy and people likely knew this about him and that when he is finally arrested for his crime, he will probably be wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Like that information is useful to anyone. I will leave clips from the Dr. Phil episode in my sources if you want to watch them and maybe you have a different opinion on how his case was covered on that show. Maybe I'm being slightly harsh because I don't like Dr. Phil, but in my opinion, that was absolutely no way to treat a clearly emotional family member of a murder victim. The last time Bailey was seen alive, she was in her boyfriend, Michael Queen's front garden. That was on the 25th of May 2018, just two months after Michael's disappearance and one month after James's murder. Bailey, James and Micah's mothers, Jane, Diane and Cheryl, supported each other and tried to help each other find their missing children. But no leads were publicly announced until May 2020 when police dropped a bombshell. Bakersfield police conducted a press conference where they revealed that they had charged three people with conspiracy to commit murder, torture and the murder of Michael Halsenbake. The three people charged were Matthew Taylor Vander Castile, Michael Queen and Bailey Despo. Michael Queen was already in prison when the charges were filed for other crimes including kidnapping and gun charges. Matthew was arrested but as Bailey had already been missing for two years by this point, it was clear that if she was found alive she would be apprehended and put into custody for these charges. According to the police, Bailey Despo, Michael Queen and Micah Halsenbeck had entered an arrangement to quote, generate a gun sale, unquote, as Michael had 
had previously made an AR-15. Apparently, the plan was that Michael would make the gun, Bailey would advertise the sale of the gun, and Michael would sell it. According to the investigators, the plan changed for some reason, and Bailey and Michael decided to harm Micah. They asked Matthew van der Castile if they could use his garage to keep Micah hostage, and he agreed. After kidnapping him, Bailey and Michael allegedly tortured Micah for information and killed him. I don't know what information they thought Micah had or whether he gave them this information or not, but once the trio had killed him, they researched online how to dissolve a body. They then dismembered him and dumped his body, although only his arm has been discovered. Bailey's mother Jane was obviously shocked and dismayed when she heard what her daughter was being accused of because she doesn't believe her daughter would have done such a thing unless she herself was in danger. Quote, the Bailey everybody knows and loves, she would never do anything that horrific to someone unless her life was in danger or she was threatened, or maybe she was drugged and didn't know it. I'm not trying to make excuses, I just want answers. So until we can find her, if she's alive and talk to her, only she knows for sure. Unquote. There are a lot of elements to this case and I want to apologise now if I miss anything or if I get some information about wrong, but how I'm going to present the information to you now is how I understood it during my research. As we know, Bailey, Micah and James all knew each other, but they were also involved with a lot of the same people a lot of whom seem to be involved in drug dealing and gun manufacturing. There are several things that could go wrong with drug and gun deals, and any of them could be a motive as to why James and Micah were killed and what led to Bailey's disappearance. Police have stated that they don't believe James's case is directly linked to Micah and Bailey's case, but I am including it in this episode because he deserves justice and I think his case may involve the same group of people. From information his brother shared on Dr. Phil, James's death may have been more to do with money, as the man whose house James died in front of was supposedly in debt to James and threatened to get James shot if he didn't stop coming to his house demanding his money back, which is exactly what happened. Ryan was there when this threat was made, which is why Dr. Phil believes that Ryan knows who killed his brother. I don't want to go on another rant about that show again, but if he did know, I don't know why he would go on the show in the first place, as that would probably put him in danger. And if he did know, he wouldn't exactly say on national TV for the same reason. But I genuinely don't think that he knows the identity of the people who killed his brother. Just because he knew the guy that threatened him doesn't mean that he knows the people that the man said would, quote, come around strapped. While there is obviously a strong theory as to what happened to Micah, it is important to point out that this matter hasn't gone to trial yet and that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. According to ABC News, Michael was scared of Michael and for good reason, as he had supposedly kidnapped him before. Michael allegedly held both Micah and an unnamed female at gunpoint and drove them to an orchard, although Michael was able to escape from the vehicle. This version of events is supported by a statement made by one of Micah's friends, although I don't believe it was ever reported to the police. Micah was apparently owe money to several gangs, including the Hells Angels and the Cartel, which could also be a motive for his murder, and Michael Queen apparently has connections to the Mexican drug cartel. 
As for Bailey, it's possible that she is currently on the run trying to evade police, but others believe it is more likely that Michael killed her. Maybe he thought that she would crack under the pressure and incriminate them in Michael's murder, or maybe because he thought that she was working with the police. Michael apparently believed this due to her getting a plea bargain for the weapons charges that she was facing back in 2017. However, there is no evidence that Bailey was an informant. The investigation into the Bakersfield 3 has led to police serving several search warrants, monitoring phone calls, conducting multiple interviews and more. And I hope that all these efforts continue until the truth behind all three cases is uncovered. If convicted of all 34 felonies that he is currently charged with, Michael Queen could face a minimum of up to 50 years in prison. Matthew van der Castillo could be given as much as 16 years in prison if found guilty. No trial has started yet, but as always, I will keep you all updated on any developments in this case. Despite the fact that Bailey could be involved in Micah's death, all three mothers of the Bakersfield three are still working together to try and find justice for their children. They are the only ones who truly understand what each other is going through and I think it is amazing that they have been able to pull together and support each other in the way that they have. They have also set up a website and a non-profit organisation to help victims of crime and are doing amazing work, not only to get justice for their children, but for other people's children as well. As Bailey Despo is still a missing person as of March 2021, I'm going to give you a description of her now. Bailey Sinead Despo was 20 years old when she was last seen on the 25th of April 2018. If alive today, she would be 23 years old. She was between 5 foot 4 and 5 foot 7 inches tall and weighed around 105 pounds. She was a white female with brown hair and green eyes. She has a mole on the back of her neck a scar on her left knee and a mole on the right side of her face beside her eye. She has several tattoos and this is how Megan from the Charlie Project described them. A peace symbol and an alien hand on her fingers, the phrase, for those I love I will sacrifice on the right side of her torso, stars on the right side of her torso, a black rose on the inside of her left wrist and a sleeve with lotus flowers an eye, a red gem and a tribal band going down her right arm. She might use the last name parent and she was possibly pregnant at the time that she went missing. She was last seen wearing a green shirt, black leggings, either black or white adidas or converse shoes and also possibly had on some leather anklets, large sunglasses, a backpack and a crossbody bag. If you have any information on her disappearance or on the murders of James Colstad and Micah Halsenbeck, please contact the Bakersfield Police on 661-327-7111. All photos and sources related to this case can be found on our website, uncoveredtruecrimepodcast.co.uk. That is everything I have for you today. Thank you for listening till the very end. Please stay safe and have a good night.